Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Good morning, church. Good morning. What a joy and a privilege it is every Sunday morning that we get to gather and worship God together at all four of our campuses. Anybody who's joining us online, just really grateful that you're all here to be part of what God is doing this weekend at Hosanna. As I saw that video, uh, the thought that was going through my mind is that I love coming to church with all of you. I do. I love coming to church with you. And maybe even more than that, I love being the church with all of you. So thank you to every one of the volunteers who showed up at those events this summer to make those uh, events as we're multiplying the hope and heartbeat of Jesus together in every community where we have a campus. Thank you for showing up. Thank you to all of you who give faithfully here at Hosanna. You make that event and everything that happens in and through this place possible. So thank you. It is September. I feel like my body and my brain are back in May still. Like, I, I don't know how this happened, but I hope that you have had at least one pumpkin spice latte to kick it off right. And it means that we are nine months in, only three months left to go in our bigger story journey through the Bible. And right now, we are deep inside of the New Testament, uh, inside of three letters known as the pastoral letters, the pastoral epistles written by Paul to some young leaders, particularly to Timothy and Titus, young leaders in the early church. And he is using these letters to encourage them and empower them as leaders, which makes these letters a goldmine of wisdom on leadership. And you are a leader. You are a leader. Ryan said it last weekend, everybody leads somebody. You are a leader no matter where you live, no matter where you work, no matter what stage of life you are in or what position you are in. You are called by God to multiply the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus from whatever place and position you are in. And so to get us started just thinking about the power of leadership this morning, I'm going to put a picture up in just a moment of a leader that has really been inspiring me lately. But before I put the picture up, I want to remind you that I don't care very much about sports. I don't. I just have three boys and a fanatical husband, okay? So we are from, originally from Seattle, and the baseball, the Seattle Mariners are doing a really nice job this September, which means that this young man is on my TV screen most evenings. His name is Julio Rodriguez, J-Rod, he is known. And J-Rod is 21 years old, he is a rookie, it's his first year in the, in the major leagues, but he is leading his team with his infectious joy and his love of the game. The Mariners have begun, you might know about this, a ridiculous ritual where when they win, the outfielders gather in a circle and the infielders gather in a circle and they do this little jig together. It's so ridiculous. But I love that my boys are watching these grown men chase victory with the engine of joy. And who is leading the way? A 21-year-old rookie. ESPN has this to say about Julio. They said, ESPN says, the Mariners have been powered by his energy, which has electrified their city. Electrified. A whole city is being electrified. A whole city is being led by a 21-year-old rookie. Leaders lead from wherever they are and whatever position they are in. 
And so last weekend, Ryan began this little mini-series out of the book of 1 Timothy, and he reminded us that the foundation for leadership is that we must first lead ourselves well. In order to be a great leader, you have to lead yourself well. And we're in church, and we believe that the greatest leaders are the greatest followers of the best leader that ever walked this earth, and that is Jesus Christ. And so that's what he talked about last weekend. I'm excited about what we get to talk about this week, which is how we lead others well. How we lead others well. And I know this. I know that there are 10,000 TED Talks on this subject. I know that there are 1.5 billion podcasts on this subject, right? But we're in church. We're gonna be in the Bible together this morning. We're gonna be in the Bible and we get to have a really neat conversation with a leader. And so if you have a Bible with you, I would love for you to have it open with me in the book of Titus. Open up to the book of Titus I do realize that this is a very small book in the Bible and hard to find, so feel free to use the table of contents if you need to. And as you are turning there, this is the letter that is written in between 1st and 2nd Timothy. Paul wrote this letter to another young leader. And we get the understanding about, about how dear Titus is to Paul in, within the very first few verses. In verse four, he says, I am writing to Titus my true son in the faith that we share. My true son in the faith that we share. Paul uh, did not have any children of his own. But if you are a leader, and everybody is, you know that the people that we lead can become very, very dear to us. And Titus was very dear to Paul. We also, in the first few verses, find out what the situation is that's going on. Paul and Titus had been together, ministering together on the island of Crete, But the Holy Spirit has called Paul away on another assignment, and he has left Titus behind. And this is the letter that he writes back to him. And this is what he says. He says, I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. And so right out of the gates, as this, as this letter begins, Paul is already dropping wisdom into Titus's life. And we're gonna, we're gonna look at three different bits of leadership wisdom that Paul drops for Titus in this letter. And the first one, Paul is demonstrating it and he's pouring it into, Timothy, and it, or into Titus, and it is this. Great leaders know that they have to multiply their leadership. Great leaders multiply their leadership. Paul is doing it with Titus. He's saying, Titus, I'm raising you up. You've got this. I left you behind. You lead now. But the first bit of advice he gives to Titus is it's your job now to find more leaders. Great leaders are always on the hunt for other great leaders. Great leaders know that whatever organization they are leading, be it an organization or a church or a movement, you cannot build it to depend on you. You've got to be on the lookout, on the hunt at all times for other leaders to raise up and empower But Paul, in this letter to Titus, as we continue, he he says to Titus, you aren't just looking for anybody. You know, we're not just looking for somebody who's got a pulse, right? You've got to look for real qualities in the people that you're raising up to lead. And in, in verses six through nine, he gives a list of these qualities. What is noteworthy is that none of them are skills. None of them are skills. They are all qualities of character and integrity and faith. We're gonna pull out one line uh, in, in verse, let's see, I gotta find which verse this is in. He's, oh yes, okay, in Titus verse, uh, chapter one, verse eight, he says, this is what you're looking for. Look for someone who is good. He must love what is good. He must live wisely and he must be just. He must have a devout 
and disciplined life. These are the kind of leaders that you're looking for. And of course, in this context, Paul is telling Titus, he's looking for faith leaders. He says, what is most important about the leaders that you are looking for is that their faith life and their real life need to be integrated. Their life needs to look like the life of a Jesus follower. Those are the kind of people that you're looking for, Titus, to raise up, to multiply. And I would just tell you that here at Hosanna, those are the exact kind of qualities that we look for in leaders that we raise up around here. Of course, when we are looking to hire staff, but when we're raising up volunteers, key leaders in this congregation, and two, when we are electing our vision board. If you didn't know it, let me tell you now, we have a vision board. It is a group, there, I'm gonna put the picture up on the screen so you can see these people. They represent all four of our campuses, and these leaders provide, they provide oversight and wisdom and counsel to Ryan and to our executive team. We are so grateful for the leaders of Hosanna. They represent everything that Paul is talking about here. Great leaders multiply their leadership. As you continue in the book of Titus, we see that the next thing that Paul needs to invest into Titus is the reality that he needs to know that leaders, great leaders, are willing to have the hard conversation. Willing to have the hard conversation. What's going on contextually um, on the island of Crete is that among the believers, among the Jesus followers, there is a group of very devout Jews who have come to faith in Jesus, but they think that they need to bring their rules and their regulations not only with them, but also impose them upon everybody else who may not have a Jewish background, but including the right of circumcision. In order to be saved, they're saying. And Paul is like, that's not true. That's not true. The gospel, the gospel at its core is a message that there is nothing you need to do to earn the love of God. There is nothing you need to do to be saved. And so he says to Titus, you've got to confront these people. You've got to have the hard conversation with these people because they are poisoning the well. Look at this in, in uh, verse 11. He says, sorry, I've got to catch up. I'm going so fast, I've got to find it. Okay, here we go. It says, they must be. They must be silenced because they are turning whole families away from the truth with their false teaching. You've got to silence them. They're, they're speaking against the gospel. But this he says in verse 13, so here's what you've got to do, Titus. He says, so reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. Other translations say rebuke them, confront them, have the hard conversation. Because as leaders... You are the one, you are the one who's got to protect the truth. You are the one who's got to guard the priorities and the values of your organization. So that is why. But I love the latter part of the sentence. Look at it with me. It's so important. He says, so reprimand them sternly. Why? To make them strong in the faith. So as Paul is, is encouraging Titus, he's saying you've got to have the hard conversation for the sake of the organization, but you also need to have the conversation for the sake of the individual. To lead well is to love well. As Jesus followers, we hear the command of Jesus to love God and love others, and that really the way that we do love others is, that we do love God is to love others well. And one of the best ways that we can love others well is to lead them well, especially when it's time to have a hard conversation. And Paul invests in Titus and he reminds him, you have the authority to do this. The leader has the authority to do this. You need to choose your moments carefully. 
You can't be doing it all the time, and you have to stay humble to your own faults. But when it's time to confront, he says this in chapter two, verse 15. He says, you have the authority, Titus, to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. I'm thinking about leaders who are sitting among us this weekend, and if this is you, you know it. You know the Lord led you to church today because you need to, for some of you, it's to muster up the courage, but it's to have the hard conversation for the sake of the organization, for the sake of the family, and really for the sake and the greater good of the individual, to love them well. The last leadership axiom that we see Paul kind of pouring into Titus is this one, and many of you have heard it before, but to be a great leader, you need to lead 360 degrees. You've got to be a 360 degree leader. Some of you are aware of the book written by John Maxwell a while ago, but it's kind of a classic in leadership, the 360 degree leader, based on this premise that no matter where you are in the organization, no matter where you are positionally, you always have the opportunity to exercise influence. Down, of course, beside you, of course, but even up, to be a 360 degree leader. And Paul says exactly that to Titus. As we begin chapter two, he says to him, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Here we go, teach, the older men. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. So Titus, you may be younger, but you've got to teach the older men. And then he continues in the next sentence. It says, similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others, and they must not be heavy drinkers. As I've been sitting with this passage this week, I'm like, I would love to be a fly on the wall in Crete. Who, are, who is this little gang of old women that are drunken old women? You know, what is going on in Crete? But Paul says, you gotta deal with them. You gotta lead up. You've gotta lead up. They may be older than you, but they need your leadership. Lead up. Then in verse six, he says, in the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. Lead down. And then he says, and you yourself, Titus, must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Being a 360 degree leader means that you carry the same integrity for Jesus followers, the same faith, the same wisdom, the same countenance into every conversation that you have with people that are below you, beside you, and above you. And Paul says to Titus that the, the center of the center of this, Titus, is it's gonna be so much less about what you say, and it's gonna be all about who you are, how you live your life in front of others, demonstrating good works. So multiply your leadership, have the hard conversations, and lead 360 degrees. These are really important leadership axioms that we can pull out of Paul's conversation with Titus. And there is so much more that we could talk about with these, but I thought what might be more fun and maybe more helpful was to not just give you more content, but to actually have a conversation with a leader who is in the trenches applying these things in her leadership. And so, as she comes up here to join me, let me just tell you a little bit about Sunny. Bowman. 
Sunny serves as the owner and CEO of Dakota County Lumber, which is a major supplier of lumber in the Twin Cities metro, especially to the housing market. It is a company with over 40 employees that has received multiple awards and accolades, uh, both locally and nationally. And Sunny herself has been twice awarded as a national top woman in hardware and building supply. And as you see these pictures of her, um, you might be thinking, boy, she's awfully young. She seems awfully young to be a CEO and an owner of a business. But then it might just blow your mind to learn that she actually originally took that position at the age of 25. So she's a leadership beast. That's what I like to say about Sunny. Uh, She's a Hosanna member on the weekend. You'll see her wearing a children's ministry t-shirt, helping to check families in. But I asked her if she'd be willing to have a conversation about leadership. She graciously agreed. So would you please just help me welcome Sunny Bowman. Sunny. We were laughing this morning, looking at ourselves up on the screen like we could be sisters. We really could be sisters, but we're not. We are friends. We are friends. Yes, we are. Yeah. Uh, Friends, Ryan and I get to be friends with Sunny and her husband, Justin, police officer. Uh, They have two boys, so we're both moms of only boys. Yes, it's dirty and smelly. There's bugs. There's a lot of bugs. And frogs. Yes, and frogs. Yeah, there's all, and balls, lots of throwing of balls and footballs and baseballs and all the things. So we get each other on that level. So I would have loved to just hang out with Sunny, but I really just brought you up here because I know you. So I know what a deep woman of faith you are. You love Jesus. You are a multiplier of the hope and heartbeat of Jesus everywhere you go. I love that about you. But your your accolades and your awards speak for for themselves. You are an extraordinary leader. You are a really, really good leader. And so I thought that it could be neat for us to have a conversation, you know, that the ancient wisdom that Paul pours into Titus is so applicable today, and so we're gonna talk about it. But before we do, I'm wondering if people might be curious how on earth you ended up becoming a CEO at the age of 25. So would you just tell us that story? Yeah, sometimes I wonder that myself. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for having me. Um, Dakota County Lumber is my family's business. I grew up watching my dad build and lead and run this thriving business and never had any interest in being involved. I don't know, I think I thought construction was dirty and for boys and it was boring and I was more on the school and the sports track. So off I went to college pursuing a political economics and French degree, super Mm. applicable to all things in life. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, meanwhile, my parents were back home and they were battling the Great Recession uh, in a housing-related business. So they were pumping their savings and their retirement back into the business um, just to keep the doors open and make sure uh, the families that they'd employed for you know 30 years at that point were still getting a paycheck. And after college, I am a little bit entrepreneurial, so I, I ran my own business for a while. And in doing that, I kind of realized I, I have a knack for business and a passion for making things grow and improve. Uh, So dad and I had a conversation about him getting his retirement back on track and me learning how to do what he did. And I can remember vividly, uh, I was sitting in the shop over at my parents' property, uh, staring, I mean, on a bar stool. There weren't quite as many of them as there are you, Um, but staring at the faces of our employees and their spouses, and they were able to kind of do an ask me anything. And at the end of it, my dad said, well, this is Sunny. You've heard what she's been up to this is why I think that she'll be good at this, and I'm asking you 
to give her a chance. Mm-hmm. And they, they did, and that was 10 years ago. Wow. Wow, it's incredible. And you're too humble to tell everybody, but I will tell them that the company has tripled in size under your leadership. So I think your dad knew what he was doing when he chose you. It's a team effort. Yeah, but you have risen to the occasion. And yeah, when I asked Sunny if she would be willing to have this interview, she said, I will do it under the condition that you do not position me as an expert. I am not a leadership expert. She said, everybody's learning, and I am learning right along with them. I'm a sojourner in the leadership arena, certainly. But you do carry a lot of wisdom. And you have had to work out the things that Paul uh, pours into Titus. And so let's begin where, where we left off with Paul saying to Titus, you, you can lead 360 degrees. You can influence those below you, beside you, and above you. I imagine becoming a CEO at 25 kind of forced you into that thought. And so how has that played out in your leadership? Yes, uh, I feel like all I've had to do is, is lead up and sometimes lead sideways. I, I very rarely lead down. I learned pretty early on that positional authority or the authority that comes with your title isn't leadership. Leadership mm. is influencing others and good leadership is influencing others for the greater good and godly leadership is influencing others for the good of the kingdom and I had no influence. Uh, I had, you know, no, no knowledge of the building industry. I had no credibility other than, you know, the, the chance that everyone was willing to give me. So I very quickly had to start asking questions. I shadowed all of my employees. And, um, you know, they were a gold mine of knowledge. Mm-hmm. When Paul tells Titus, like, you know, treat your old men this way, you know, mm-hmm. teach your drunk old ladies this, like, <laughs> I don't have any of those, but uh, it really fits because leadership isn't one size fits all, yeah. right? Like, they're, each individual person has just a wealth of knowledge to share, and I had to go about finding that out, showing up for them with character, mm-hmm. letting them know I was there for them, mm-hmm. and then making the small adjustments, the corrections, and not shying away from the conversations, but leaning into them for the greater good. And, and that was really interesting. And I, I think if you know, all of my employees were, were here today, what I would want them to hear is, is you have influence, you have an opportunity to lead every time that you interact with somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, a customer, a fellow employee on the sidelines at your kid's football game with your buddies on the weekend. It's just what you're doing with that influence mm-hmm. that makes you a good leader, uh, and often the positional authority, the title, follows you showing up with character in those little moments. Mm, that's really good. That's really good. I love how you spoke, particularly of learning how to lead people that were older than you. I, what I remember reflecting to you is I hear so much honor. I hear so much honor in how you consider the people above you. Yeah, I mean, I have somebody that works for me that has worked there literally longer than I've been alive. Like, he remembers my birthday, like the actual day that I was born. My dad leaving to go to the hospital. And right. I mean, he has so much knowledge yeah. and so much to share, and mm-hmm. I would be remiss if I ignored that. Yep and just said, no, I know the way to do this. I had to ask questions, Mm -hmm. take in the whole picture, Mm -hmm. and then just kind of direct it. Yep. And yet, even as you honor, you also carry and know that you are the leader. You are the leader. And, you know, as Paul says to Titus, you may be young, but you're the one with the authority. You're the one with the authority. And so sometimes that requires, not always, hopefully not very often, but sometimes it does require having a hard conversation. 
And so I would love to hear from you, you know, a leader in the trenches. How do those hard conversations go? How do you feel about them? How do you approach them? I love them. Uh, <laughs> do not. Uh, we have created, uh, I would say, you know, a culture of continuous improvement at the Lumberyard. We're fanatical about perfect deliveries and operational excellence. And so I think I say 15 times a day, like if we don't know what went wrong, how are we gonna fix it? So we're very open, but in, in creating that culture and setting the stage for that, I even used, we're not a Christian organization, but you gotta sprinkle it in where you can. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the passage in Ephesians mm -hmm. about needing to speak the truth in love yeah. so that we may grow as the body of Christ. Yeah. Uh, and so we know that if we're having those hard conversations, we're doing it in a loving way for the greater good. But, you know, I have had some of the big hard conversations. I've had to, I've had to fire people. Uh, there was like this minor global pandemic that happened the last couple of years. Mm. I don't know if anybody realized, but... No, I missed you, it. Right, yeah. And I had to be the, you know, kind of the, mm -hmm. the compass in, during that and yeah. sometimes make decisions that weren't appreciated and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I think that the biggest thing to know is like checking your ego mm -hmm. and saying, is this about me being upset or is this about me? Is this about the good of the organization as a whole? Does this need to be said? And is this loving? Yes. And sometimes the most loving thing that you can do is say the thing mm -hmm. that nobody wants to say. Right. Yep. Yeah, not easy. No but often the most loving thing to do, to lead others well. Um, all right, well, let's, let's end with Paul's first word, that leaders, good leaders, know that they can't make the whole organization, the whole movement, the whole church, whatever it is, about them. The leader's job is to find other great leaders and raise them up to multiply their leadership. So how are you thinking about that at this stage of your career? Uh, I am thinking about it a lot. Uh, I am kind of smack in the middle of this one. Mm. Like, it, isn't it interesting how messages just kind of meet us where we are? Um, yep. <laughs> Every time. I have spent the last 10 years, you know, getting my arms wrapped around this thing, figuring out how to do it, how to do it well, improving things, getting things on track. And now I very distinctly feel God telling me, like, it is time for you to take a step back, mm. not, to, not to leave anybody but to create a space to kind of push others forward into, like mm -hmm. stop sucking all the air out of the room, let other people, mm -hmm. you know, step into it, talk and breathe. And so I am, like, like we said earlier, a sojourner on this mm -hmm. with everyone else. I think what's been hitting me is, you know, if I think that only I can do things, that's definitely my ego. Like I know that all of our success has been, has been blessed by God mm -hmm. and it hasn't been me that's made us successful. Mm -hmm. So why would I think that removing myself from that spot and allowing other people to step forward would keep us from being successful? Mm -hmm. Like that's all about me and I've just been convicted that like, okay, it's time for other people to shine and I am... It's, you know, some days I'm like prying my fingers off of it and <laughs> right. other days I'm like, sweet, I'll see you guys later. Like yeah. you, you do you, but uh, yeah. we're learning. You've got a baseball game to go to. Right. You got some flag football to take <laughs> right? in, I right? I do. I have lots yeah. of t-ball. It takes a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Tremendous balancing act, particularly as moms, I think in, in this conversation. 
Well, Sunny, as your friend, I love about you, um, but really also as one of Hosanna's pastors, I love watching you be a Christian, be a Jesus follower as a leader. And I know that you stand in for so many who are listening, uh, leading in organizations, leading in families. Your organization, as you said, is not uh, explicitly a Christian organization, but everybody you work for knows what you're about. Everybody you work for knows who you ultimately serve. And Paul, toward the end of his letter to Titus, we didn't draw this, this verse out earlier, but I would draw it out now toward the end in chapter three, you know, as Paul is kind of giving Titus the target, like this is your leadership target. Of course, for the church, it's all about bringing people to faith, you know, sharing the gospel, speaking of Jesus and, and causing others to come to faith in him. But he also drops this, this very um, sweet line. He says, Titus, your goal is that the people you lead will devote themselves to doing good. So Paul lead the people, Paul says to Titus, lead the people to do good. And one of my favorite things about watching you lead, I, I love all the things that we've already talked about, but what inspires me deeply as I watch you lead is that you are leading your company to do so much good. In the community around you, you are making just an incredible difference. And I would love, I know it's hard to brag on that stuff, but we'd really love to hear it. Tell us some of the things that you've led your company to do toward the greater good. Yeah, so uh, I'll start by saying that I, I work with just incredibly good and good-hearted people mm. uh, that, that want to be involved and want to serve our community. And as the leader, one of the best parts of my job is to get to find moments yeah. where we can bring that out. And so we're, we're big on using our, our time and our talents and our resources wherever we can kind of lend a hand. Um, you know, during the pandemic, that looked like using some of our trucks and forklifts to deliver food to the community right at the beginning when everything kind of shut off. Um, you know, we've packed meals with Feed My Starving Children in our extra time. We serve on, on boards and with organizations that combat homelessness. And mm -hmm. one, of, one of the connections that I'm most excited about uh, was just made actually in the last couple of weeks mm -hmm. between us and Tony, who runs Hosanna's Heart Ministries. Uh, if you guys haven't been to the Heart Warehouse, like it is, mm -hmm. it is an operation. Mm -hmm. Like it, I don't think that the videos quite do justice to the scope mm -hmm. of what they have going on over That's there. True. And we found out. Uh, I went over and visited along with my dad, and uh, Tony came over to our place, and we figured out that I think that God is going to address a major business headache that we have with fulfilling a major need that Heart has. Like we have all of this. We have lumber that's you know, crooked that we can't sell to our builders. We've got decking that, you know, maybe was discontinued and off color. We've got windows that are wrong sizes. Just in the regular course of doing business, sure. we have all of these things mm -hmm. and they accumulate and us having to figure out what to do with those things. Sometimes we auction, sometimes we donate, sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. that's a whole headache that mm -hmm. is not something that I like to deal with. And Tony walks through our yard and like, you would have thought I was showing him just like, piles of gold bars. <laughs> you know, I, I think we identified yep. like 11 semi-loads full of material that they will just immediately be able to take yeah. and take to disaster areas, use yep. to fix up the community and that sort of thing. And of course, my mind goes to like, well, everybody else that's my competitor or that's, you know, a friendly competitor in the area has the same problem. They all, yeah. We all have this material. So I'm really interested to see what God does with this partnership and how much... Uh, how much we can do with all of our kind of byproducts. Yes. Isn't that incredibly exciting? I just, man, 
I ran into Tony in the hallway last week and he said, Jen, Sunny Bowman, she's amazing. And it's just gonna be this incredible resource. And, and I just, I love Sunny that you were willing to step into that moment. You know, so often we separate our work and our, and our faith. But how beautiful to see the kingdom, you know, take off when we are willing to, to listen to the Holy Spirit and, and go after the things that he brings before us. So I, I hope a year from now we're reporting on that. What an incredible uh, opportunity. Thank you so much for just being willing to sit with us, to share what leadership feels like in the trenches. You are an incredible person and we're really grateful you're part of the Hosanna family. Can we thank yeah. Sunny Bowman? Well, church, as we close today, you know, I've been sitting there thinking about this is a different kind of message to receive in church. Um, it's so practical. But here is my thought. My thought is, yeah, but the Holy Spirit is going to use it. The Holy Spirit is going to use it in every one of our lives because we're all leaders. We all lead somebody. And something in this message from Paul's letter to Titus and from the conversation with Sonny is going to drop in your heart and it's going to be a timely word for you in your moment in leadership. And so I would just invite you, remind you to open yourself to the Holy Spirit and allow something to stick, something to sink deep that you can apply this week. Well, we are toward the end of our time together, so let's just button all this up, close it all up in our hearts and our spirits by praying together as we close. Lord, I just, I'm amazed, I'm thinking in this moment um, as we've been on this journey through the Bible, how often the word has just been so timely in my life. And I know that that is true for your people who are listening this morning. And so we thank you for your timely word around leadership. Lord, we're grateful that we have the opportunity to have influence in the lives of the people around us. Um, so we pray, God, today that you would just sink deep the word that was for us. Let the rest of it fall off. But we pray that as we walk out of church this morning, that we would walk out stronger leaders, better followers of yours, and lead people um, in every sphere that we can toward greater good in your name, Jesus. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And the whole church said, amen. amen.